welcome to Living the Authentic Life. We are with our friend, Marcella White, Tavero Jet, founder, owner, hashtag girl boss, everything luxury. And look at how fabulous she looks. Thank you. Thank you. So we have partnered with Tavero Jet and it initially started as us doing some photo shoots with you. And then we had, oh my God, the most amazing time going to New Orleans. Orleans. Yes, we did. And um, I just have to say, if you've never done it before, (laughs) flying private is worth it. (laughs) It is. It is. We say we have a private jet, but it says United on the side. So unfortunately, (laughs) it isn't in our budget because I'd rather have a lot of handbags in my closet. (laughs) But ironically, it isn't as expensive as I thought it was. That's right. And sometimes with travel being so challenging with lost luggage and replacing all your luggage, missing an important business meeting, missing a moment in your family's life. Right. It's for a lot of people, not just a luxury, it's a way of life. It absolutely is. You know, you're not battling TSA lines. You don't have to worry about lost luggage. And more importantly for, you know, there's a couple of different kinds of travelers and that's the the vacation, the vacationers where you're uh-huh. taking your whole family. And so you've got a limited amount of time also for that. And you don't want to waste a day if a plane has canceled or mechanical, you know, so um, that's a way of life for vacationers. And then for sure, for business people who uh, whose time nice. is super valuable and you're hitting maybe two to three cities a day. And so you're maybe doing a four day trip where you've seen seven plants or offices or something like that. And that would take you two weeks on the airlines. So that time for that executive and those executives on board is super valuable. And that time savings is huge for them. So. And women in aviation aren't as high in number as men in aviation. So how does a woman get involved in aviation. Tell us your story. What was, was it a passion from childhood? Was it a moment that just happened? It was a moment that just happened. I actually, my, I helped my sister get into it first. I was still in college and she had just had her first child and decided she wanted to go back to work. And uh, so we, the old fashioned way, we sat across each other on the Sunday morning table, looking at the Chronicle at the want, you know, at the want ads, which we don't do anymore because uh-huh, you know, right. everything's we, digital Yes, and found her a job with this, help her find a job with this charter company. And she worked for him for a year. I think I graduated from U of H shortly thereafter and I joined her. And then after about two years, maybe a little bit less, Southwest Airlines offered her a job and she sold me her part of the company and she went off to Southwest. And then about eight months later, Southwest offered me a job and I said, no thanks, I really like being an entrepreneur and having my own company and stayed in charter for the rest of my career. Wow. So you were working at the business before your husband even came on board. Yes. Okay. Again, hashtag girl boss. (laughs) Yes. And you were flying at the time or you waited a little later to learn... I waited later um, when I when we started growing and I realized, okay, well, I'm going to be managing a lot of pilots. And at the time, all those pilots were male, mm-hmm. no females back then. And so I thought, well, maybe I should go get my private pilot's license. Maybe that'll help me understand and manage pilots. 
nothing could have been further from the truth. <laughs> it just became, I got my pilot's license, but really it's a, it's a mindset. Pilots are super confident. They have really healthy egos, kind of like doctors. You want them to, because you don't want them second guessing themselves in the cockpit. You know, should I go around the storm? Should I do this? Should I do that? Like a doctor, you don't want him second guessing himself. So it's really about um, their mindset, a healthy ego, and learning to manage that ego and work with those personalities that are really fundamental for the position that they're in. Okay, so when you say you were working charters, were you booking charters, booking pilots? Like, were you doing every aspect, or did you grow into that role? We grew. So initially, we didn't. I didn't have an airplane to manage, so uh -huh. to speak. I just would use other people's airplanes. So mm -hmm. it was really more about marketing and sales. Call me. I'll get you the best deal. I'll get you the safest airplane. And then I would call all the network of people that I had for airplanes and start booking, booking their airplanes for my customers. And then it eventually grew into, I got my own first airplane to manage, and then it grew from there. And I think um, several, probably maybe four years later, I met my husband, Ronnie, who was also in the business, but on the maintenance side of it. And he used to work for the airlines from Muse and Transtar. And then we started working together and our business grew and we've worked together for 33 years and been married 34. God bless you. <laughs> God bless me and Rob. That we That's can right. Get to That's right. It's, <laughs> it's true. It's, but you know, there's a lot of mutual respect for who, what we know. Yes. Our our and strengths you seem to and, be in different roles within right. the business. That's right. And he knows you're the boss. So maybe <laughs> Rob and I need to talk about this a little bit more. Sometimes he forgets. Uh, we have to remind them every now and again. That's right. It is. It has worked out well. Yes. But what I think, what I've found from guests that I have on the podcast is that there's so much work and so much time that goes into becoming an expert in any industry. For sure. And I feel like so many young people today envision themselves in your role or in my role. Right. As opposed to all the steps it took for us to get here. And That's that right. it was, I mine was a side hustle selling bags for so many years. Uh, while I worked with the family Marvel and Granite and you were flying other people's planes and brokering mm -hmm. deals mm -hmm. and putting people together. And I think that that's such a big part of building something that lasts because you understand every aspect of the business. And I like that you said in a quote that you had on LinkedIn that you're not a transportation business, you're a customer service Very true. business. That's right. It is hard, I think, young people, and, and we talk about, I talk about this at work a lot, it's ever, most people want to do a job really well, and you want to be great at that job, but sometimes it's, to be great, it's not just enough to have the knowledge, you need the experience. It's like being a great pilot. If you've got someone with low time, you've got someone with high time, they're still flying the same airplane, but the person with high time have been through so much more, those maybe aha moments or those moments where they go, okay, I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> and the same in any job, it's the year, there is no substitute for the years that we put in and mm -hmm. the mistakes that we made and what we learned from those mistakes and how we apply that going forward. So it's, and we are definitely in the customer service business. I mean, there's plenty of companies that have 
the same jets that we do, maybe newer, maybe older. They have as good of pilots as we do. Maybe they have as good of mechanics. So the fundamental expectation for everybody that comes to our company is we're going to get them from point A to point B. Right. And we're going to. Yes. Right. So that's that's just the foundation. What keeps them coming back is how do we elevate that experience? How what kind of customer service can we provide that will have them coming back to us? Because we did something really special that made them feel really special, whether that's a pilot talking to them and telling them about the weather coming up or just just establishing some kind of a rapport and conversation with passengers to the things that we put on board because we knew he this person likes pretzel m&ms i mean it could be something that simple and we we kind of laugh about this all the time because pilots don't always think this way they think here's how a pilot thinks we took off on time We've got everybody's <laughs> luggage. We, oh my gosh, we had the most difficult flight. There was weather everywhere, but we avoided all the bumps and we worked our way through via the radar, all the weather. So the customer never knew. Mm -hmm. And then we landed and we greased it on and we had the most amazing landing. This was just the perfect trip. What they forgot was the breakfast catering that was a bunch of burritos. And what did the customer remember? They the burritos. That's starving right. That's the right. They were hungry and, and that made them cranky. Right. And that, forget the fact that the pilots really worked hard to make sure that was yes. a really comfortable trip. That's the expectation. So it's the customer service part of it that keeps customers coming back. And we've had we're now technically the oldest charter company at Hobby Airport. Wow. So there have been a lot of companies that have come and gone. Bigger ones people with a lot more money, people with a lot more planes. And I really do just feel like they don't understand the concept that it's that customer service. We're in the customer service business. We're really not in the transportation business. I talk about living an authentic life. And I think when you live authentically, you come alive and you come alive when you have a purpose and you come alive when you have a connection with people. Right. And that's what you're talking about, is this connection. Same for us. You could go somewhere else to buy a Rolex. You could buy, go somewhere else to buy a Chanel. Maybe not at the prices that <laughs> we sell right. them. But it isn't that we're the cheapest. It's that you have the best connection and you feel taken care of and you feel that it's a luxury experience. And sometimes that can just be feeling heard. And in this really challenging time of travel, when it is, maybe we're slightly moving out of revenge travel, but post COVID, right. it was Crazy. people who've never been to Europe. Everybody's in right. Europe. Everybody's going skiing. Everybody's right. going somewhere. Just to have to travel. And luggage is being lost everywhere. And people are being booted off planes and employees aren't coming to work. And people are crazy and, on planes. I mean, people are anger. like anger. Yes. And some, I think a flight just was landed in California this morning because of a bomb threat. I saw that on the news this morning. Um, so, so much of that is avoided in these experience, the TSA check through, I mean, to me, I almost feel like that's like if you had to say what's the best part of the experience, it's the efficiency. For sure. The time savings and the efficiency. You're not you. It's not that we're not checking TSA. It's that you don't have these lines to go. So do we do have to check TSA? Yes. You but, have to make but sure that it's your yes. your your car is pulling up to an airplane. 
you're getting out of your car, your luggage being unloaded, you're getting onto the airplane and you're taking off. So all of that is, all of that prep work is done before you even get there so that that experience is a major time saver. And, and it's the, the comfort, the safety of knowing that, you know, yeah, you're not going to sit next to this person that still could be potentially sick. You're still going to get there safely. Um, and, you know, back in what COVID taught us was that we thought that the charter market had this demographics. We had X amount of people as piece of the pie. Mm-hmm. That, and what it taught us was that everybody who had that expendable, that disposable income that were maybe using it for other things started using it for charter because once, Absolutely. because of COVID and then after COVID, they realized, Oh, oh man, this wasn't right. I can't give this up. And really, I can't go back to that United right. line. And even if you think about taking three couples and splitting something, you know, you're going to go to Cabo and you're going to split it three ways. It, it looks, starts looking a lot like a first class airline ticket. So it's absolutely, I was surprised at looking at first class tickets. I mean, we just are trying to figure out Colorado for spring break and to fly the Friday of spring break and back the Sunday into Vail is $1,400 a person for coach. Right. Golly, that's crazy. For coach. For coach. And, and hopefully. And we're not you're... paying that. Yeah. We're going to be flying in through Denver. We're going to be driving. We're going to be doing it because we just for can't coach. hold it. The trigger for that. Is that crazy? That is crazy. And, and when you used to pay that, I mean, it was almost guaranteed you were going to get there on time. Now, oh, did, no. the, did the flight attendant show up or did the pilot actually show up or did he run out of a duty day? And now they're having to pull another pilot. And so your flight is delayed. Yes. It's just the airlines are really, really struggling, which has been good for our business. I'm not, not going to say it was. It hasn't. Yes. But it it is a whole different world traveling on the airlines now. And so our business, our industry has definitely picked up as a result. And what about... Um, COVID shots with pilots and with flight attendants. Was that something that it was a thing? It It was a thing. (laughs) It was a thing in COVID. Yeah. And not everybody believed in it and not every pilot wanted that. And, you know, we didn't. But then the clients. Right. But then the clients wanted wanted it. it. That's right. So it became an issue of this isn't about you're entitled to your opinion, your philosoph- we're not going to discuss mm-hmm. philosophical differences about whether this was a good thing or a bad thing. But in order to fly some of these passengers who potentially even could be immunocompromised, then you have to have that. that. Right. So we're not deciding if it's right or wrong. We're, we're not, just saying not even discussing it. That's right. Is something what's required. It, it, that's required. And, and then you had less. Right. So you had even less people that could fly and right. be flight attendants. Right. And or pilots. So it was, and we had, I mean, we were lucky. Almost everybody who flew in the airplanes, our employees, cabin attendants and pilots, almost every single one of them got their COVID shots. They may have disagreed with it, the, you know, the reasoning behind it, Mm -hmm. but they did for the job and understood that we were only enforcing this and asking them to do it for the benefit of the customer. Right. So, so yeah. And with, so many, as you've said, there's so many companies that have come in. You were in this market in the beginning that was pretty niche because only certain people even thought about flying private. Right. And then as things evolved and incomes grew and expense accounts grew, and I guess Bitcoin became a big number for people. Right. That were, um, 
but then you had so many more people in the market and you were competing against people that weren't really your competition. So, yeah, yes, it's, because I mean, it wasn't apples to that's apples. Right, that's and right. And what they were providing for their service wasn't yours. Let's talk a little right. bit about that because you've been through so many changes. We have. We've been through oil prices that dropped. And I mean, Texas economy for us, of course, a lot of our a lot of our business is oil companies also. So not only do we charter for individuals, but we are backup for different corporate flight departments, mm -hmm. whether those are oil companies or construction companies. So when their airplane's gone, then they'll call us to charter one of our aircraft to move management or wherever they need to go. Or maybe mm -hmm. it's, you know, it could be something as simple as like a drill rig part. There's a somebody in Canada that mm -hmm. is hired a Boots and Coots or something down mm -hmm. here. It used to be Red Adair, put up by, yeah, yeah, and yeah. they would charter, right? So it's a, it's a, it is, at the end of the day, all about that relationship you have with the customer. It's not about the airplane itself. It's about the relationship that you have with your customer. It's the customer service. It's why do they come back to us instead of going to somebody else? And because you can get the job done. And I, I thought it was interesting because when we were um, sharing about each other's businesses, you sent so many people to us. And you were saying to me that I sent some people to you that even wanted their planes rented. Right. Least during COVID, which I wasn't even thinking that. Like they could make revenue when their plane wasn't being used and right. you needed more planes. Right. Because more people were flying. I remember the first time it really occurred to me was COVID had hit and friends of ours were in Beaver Creek and they couldn't get home because it was spring break. And there were... 12 of them with that many hotel rooms yes and it was cheaper to charter a flight than to stay and come home <laughs> that's right than to stay in beaver creek because it, the rate was less than however much per night so it was it really changed the way people think saw, about charter yes think about it yeah it is it's it's um it, it is a great way i mean there's a lot of the our company owns some of the aircraft, but we also manage aircraft for other individuals. So okay. companies or individuals who own an airplane and let's say they fly maybe four days a month. Mm -hmm. And so they're when they're not using it, then they say, go ahead and charter it because mm -hmm. that will help offset their mm -hmm. cost of ownership by virtue of us setting it out for charters and and um, having revenue to offset some of those expenses that they're going to have regardless. So they're going to mm -hmm. they're going to still have to pay for a hangar for their plane. They're still going to have to pay for pilots. They're still going to have to pay for insurance. So once you introduce the charter revenue portion, mm -hmm. well, it starts chipping away at all those expenses, which they which any most owners love. Mm -hmm. And so when they're not using it, we get to use it and charter it out. So can we talk a little bit about numbers? Yeah. Okay, good. Mm -hmm. So um, tell me to fly, let's say Beaver Creek, because we that was one of the numbers that we looked at. And I guess fuel is so much more than it was three years ago. I mean, it's coming down. It is coming down. So we're in the four dollar range, four fifty range, four sixty oh. range right now. Yeah. So it's not it's not bad. It it went up for a long time, but it's really come down. Okay, that's so it's not bad at all. Yeah. But a charter to Beaver Creek is charter to 15, Beaver Creek. Or? Let's just say somewhere around depending on depend on how long you're going to be there. I would say somewhere around twenty thousand. Right. For one way. No, for the round trip. For round, round trip. trip. Right. 
for how many trip. on a plane? So that would be up to eight passengers maximum. That would be what we call a mid-sized jet. So in our mid-sized jet category, we have Hawkers, we have a Citation 3, uh -huh. we have a Lear 60, um, and any one of those would go there. And so, again, if you're only going to stay two or three days, it's probably something like 20000 If you're staying longer, then you start incurring a few more overnights right, for pilots. Right, because overnights, and, and right. then they charge extra. Right. Sometimes also during holidays, right? I've heard that that the we don't charge extra for holidays. No, we the, don't the um, plane the airports. Yes, the airports can go up on their parking and their ramp fees and <laughs> special special events like Formula One. You might have had exactly. a fifteen hundred dollar fee just to get a reservation to park. Exactly. So some of those because we just went to Formula One in Vegas, and so there there are special event fees and peak season, kind of. But to buy a hawker is what. A hawker is somewhere between, Five. no, it depends on which model you're talking okay. about. An older model is somewhere around 1.6 million. Okay. A newer model, somewhere around five to six million. And then you have to have a full-time pilot. You don't or, have to, but that is, to, in today's world, that's the best most, way because there's a shortage of pilots. So you have to have two full-time pilots. It's a two-pilot crew. So you can get a light jet and you can hire one pilot to fly that. Some uh -huh. Some jets are... Um, approved for single pilot operations, okay. but a, a mid-sized jet, you're almost always going to have two pilots. So those pilot salaries look somewhere like 140 for a captain, 100 for a co-pilot. And then know. wherever you're going, Nantucket, Vail, you're getting them a hotel room. For sure. You or are a room them. in your house. Yes, but they're pretty good about... so. You staying know, a little bit further they'll, away. They'll rent a and car, then, and instead of staying in Vail, whatever, instead of going to Aspen and stay there, they're going to drive 20 minutes down the road and yes. stay somewhere else. Or they may go to Rifle if they're instead of Eagle, you know. So okay. they'll find ways to find... A, they're not going to stay in the thick of things and at the most popular resorts or anything like that. So you make it much easier if you're just flying on occasion right? to not make that investment. and to And then I was shocked about the cost... Every few years, don't you have to put it in for full service? You and do. that fee is like... That could be a whole lot. It depends on the airplane and it depends on the inspection, but they all have, you know, airframe inspections. They have engine inspections. Usually your engines are covered by, you buy uh, what's called like an insurance program. Okay. So you pay hourly for every hour you fly the airplane. But when those inspections come up, they're paid for because you've been putting in hourly. Right. Okay. So those inspections are covered. The airframe inspections are different. Those usually pay for out of pocket. Um, and depending on the aircraft, I mean, the big inspections, you're talking uh, 250,000 to 700,000. So the inspection itself is not a big deal. It's what did they find when they opened up the airplane and when they're when they've got everything out. Oh, yes. Is there some corrosion? Is there something that wasn't working that should be working? So those happen very. There's a. There is a rigorous schedule of inspections, and mm -hmm. especially in the 135 world, which we call the charter world, it's okay. the federal regulations 135. They're super strict, and the FAA says you must do these inspections at these intervals for avionics, airframe, engines, whatever that looks like. In the private world, they you should still do them, and so they're mm -hmm. not quite as strict as, as they are because we're carrying paying passengers. If you've got your own airplane and you decide, well, I'm not going to do it right now. We're going to wait a couple more weeks till this trip. 
we would have had to do it now. Oh, you could push it back stringent. some. Right. They're more stringent because we're carrying paying passengers. So it's about public safety. When yes. it's your airplane, the FAA is like, you can do what you want. It's your airplane. You can choose to do it well, now or Grace not. Grace Kelly came to visit. She thinks that she wants to fly on the Hello, plane. Hello, Grace. That's another crazy thing, though, that I've heard people say is they like to fly private because they have big dogs and they don't want to know how to get their dogs traveling with them. Years it ago. It is so yeah, real. Yeah, it is so real. We used to have a guy, <laughs> a man, a couple years ago, they had a dog and they used to go to St. Martin. And yeah. in the summertime, he couldn't take the dog in whatever the summertime it was going to be too hot for his dog so he uh -huh. would charter to go to saint martin and in the winter time he would take they would go commercial so people i mean it's we've taken we've taken people with their dogs to um shows as far as like argentina i mean it's these are their kids you know it's their kids it's not just their pets it's their no, kids they're, so they're, they're super serious they are their babies yes they're their babies Okay, so, so speaking of Argentina, tell us about your heritage. You are so, not an Argentinian. You no, are... my mom is Peruvian. Peruvian, Yeah, yes. my mom is Peruvian and my dad was American and then my husband's from Chile. So we grew up speaking Spanish. And so my uh, my heritage is, is Peruvian. Yes, Peruvian and from, they also came from Europe. So there's some European thrown in there. My daughter just got married in Scotland and everybody's like, why Scotland? And I go, well, you know, we loved it. But mm -hmm. after all, I am actually 27% Scottish. <laughs> did you do one of those? My sister analysis? did. Did the, I go, are you crazy? You don't do those things. But she did it. And now they have she your said, DNA. I know everybody, the world has your DNA. They have all your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so she said, we're 27% Scottish. I'm like, oh, okay, good to okay. know. You can have your wedding there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yes, we, we grew up overseas. My dad was in the oil business. So I've always had an affinity and a love for travel. We lived in Africa and we lived in Peru and we lived in Venezuela. And when then we came to Houston, but we've traveled our whole life. So I, I love traveling. It is my passion. And you travel the most beautiful places and you shop and you text us all the fabulous things you find. And we love that too, because we live vicariously through the things that you send us. It's food and shopping, right? So, well, the landscape yeah, we and food and shopping. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you never know what you're going to find. Yes. You know, we, I think we just went back to New Orleans not too long ago for uh -huh. a wedding. And I was saying all the times that I have been to New Orleans and uh -huh. never been to Magazine Street. Uh -huh. And all the shopping you can find at Magazine Street, it's yes, crazy, it's yes. so much fun. I was like, we have to come back. And I thought, <laughs> okay, I don't, I'm probably never gonna come back to New Orleans again. And now I'm like, I have to go back. <laughs> it's That's so it's a lot of fun, it, it is. is. Traveling is tons of fun. And when you can go private, it's just that much better. Even better. Mm. So do you travel as a family private every time? No, no, we do sometimes. Okay. Depends on where we're going. Sometimes mm -hmm. we'll travel privately. Some, a lot of times we'll go commercial. Um, sometimes we'll go with friends on one of our mm -hmm. jets. Um, it just depends on where we're going. Like we went a couple of years ago to, we've been since then, but we went to a, a amazing destination. It was a marathon, Texas. And oh, there's Big yes. Bend National Forest yes, and the Gage Hotel. Uh -huh. And it, oh my gosh. So we, flew in there and because, because it's, it's so really hard to get to yes it is how far you have to go from one to the yes. other whatever yes so we'll go to more remote places yes. on our airplane but if it's europe we're going on the airlines yes if it's you know if it's some place that we can get to easily then it'll be the airlines but sometimes it's our airplanes 
So tell us about future travel. Do you have any big things planned? You know, the girls and I want to go to Japan next year. So that's a big one. We, I said, wow. I don't have that many more years where I'm going to feel like a, a 14 or 15 or 17 hour flight is something that I want to do. But we've got Japan scheduled for next year. And then we also have Chile because I've got relatives getting married. So Aww. we're excited. Yeah, we're excited about that. And I'm going to go back through taking everybody back to um uh, Peru, where we grew up on the beach, which my girls have never wow. seen. So we're going to go via, yeah, show them where my roots were. So we've got some fun stuff. We always have something planned. I said, I think we're going to Maine after Christmas. That's just oh, nice. for snow. Kenny Bunkport. Yes, I'm excited about that. Always something in the works. So is that a quaint small town? It is. It okay. Is. I haven't been there before. Kind of Nantucket ish. Um, kind of, yes, kind of. I've been to but Camden rustic, Maine before, maybe. but um, they have. I've never been to Kennebunkport. What I see is mm-hmm. uh, is kind of Nantucket-ish. Okay. So I'm just excited about the place that we're staying, and they have a Michelin-rated chef, and they, and oh, so it's beautiful. just the landscape for it. Yes, it's beautiful, and it's snowy, and I want snow and cold at Christmas time. <laughs> I know, I do too. So I have said, but that my favorite places to go are generally places where you fly and you can get off even when you're flying commercial on and walk on down the jetway on the uh, runway. Right. Because that means it's remote. <laughs> That's right. It does. It's so small that That's they right. can't take a plane. That's right. And I find that those, I mean, that like even Colorado, you have to take so many to get there. Nantucket, you have to. Yes, you do. Capri, Italy, you can't even fly in there. That's right. Fortunum Army, one of my favorite places. So. I bet. I bet you had, we had a fabulous trip to Positano. That was my first time last year we went to, last year? Okay. No, this year. This year. I know it was amazing. But you're right. The more remote um because then they're unencumbered and maybe they have a little bit more of the culture and the community that it used to be because not so many people can come there and change what it was. Right. True. So many years ago. You know, there's always the issue. Like if we have, you know, I mean, really successful, maybe retired couples, then there's Mm -hmm. always the issue of, well, what if one of us gets sick? How do we get out of here? So they want that airplane staying there just in case or for an emergency. So you never know about health issues also. You're not going to get out if it's on the airlines as quickly. So we do have people where we like, we can drop you off and then come back and pick you up. And they're like, no, we would like for the airplane to stay there because they may have their parents with them. And so they're always aware and cognizant of, mm-hmm. well, what if we have an emergency and we need to, we need to get out and get to a hospital or get to back to home, back home. Well, we took my father to Sicily where our, um, my grandparents, his parents immigrated from. He had never been. Wow. We are in the marble and granite business. The family business is, but we would go to Barona, Italy and Porto de Marmi outside of Florence, but never to Sicily. And it was the most magical time and it was November and then COVID hit in March. So I don't know that we'll ever go back as a family. I think it was just a moment in time. And he kept saying, oh, this year is not right. I will someday. But I love that you're saying some days don't always come and we exactly have right. to embrace our moments. And even with my planner's fasciitis, it changed how much I could walk. And right. Rob has some shoulder issues and like things just happen right? or you're not... So um, life just happens and you don't know at what point we're going to be like, okay, well, maybe I can't do that trip anymore. Yeah. So So. I encourage people 
take the trip, plan to be with the family. And if you can, I can't think of anything more magical than going to where your family immigrated from. Because I, I think to be there, like in that place and to know my grandparents left without speaking the language, without having much money, without knowing anything. And they made an effort to go to a better better place. For the next future generations. We did the same thing when we went to Italy a few years ago. We went to where my husband's family immigrated from, which was, um, oh gosh, it's just north of Pisa. And I can't think of the name. It was on the tip of my tongue. But we went there and it was Uh on the Bay of Poets. So it was a beautiful, stunning city. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I forgot it. But when we went there, no, it was... um, It's all right, you'll think of it. I'll think of it. Anyway, so we went there, and then we went to the courthouse, and in our Spanish and broken Italian, we managed to communicate that we wanted to see, like, was there any records? And she went, the lady in the courthouse, went said, yes, we have some. And she brought back these the books. ledgers this big this. and went back to 1902 yes. and looked up all the Venturinis, they, which is my married name. And then we saw right after World War II where they started leaving and going to South America because there was job opportunities. And so that's how they ended up in Chile. It was it was really amazing. Lerici. Lerici. Okay. Lerici, Italy. Yeah, right on the Bay of Poets. It's really pretty. And that's the same thing. They had the ledgers. There's nothing computerized. Right. And my grandparents apparently couldn't even write. They X'd for their signature when they got married. So it's crazy. But it's awesome to take those kind of trips and have your kids there or your grandkids there. And And they appreciate. Yes. To see the sacrifice made before you. To see the, the will and the intent for something so much better. There's no room for you, Grace. Oh. <laughs> well, um, is there anything else you want to share about us? How would they reach out to you if they wanted to book a charter or talk to you about helping with their planes? So they just call Tavero Jet Charter. Um, I'm there most days. Uh, they can email us. They can call us. They'll put them through to my cell. I can give you know them my cell phone number. That's and that's one of the things that I think also when you talk about customer service, we've added a couple of airplanes recently, and mm-hmm. I had some good competition that was bidding for the same management opportunity for these okay. aircraft. And um, at the end of the day, I asked. We got both of them from two. Uh-huh. D- one of them we were competing against another company at Hobby. Another one we were competing a, yet a uh-huh. separate one. And I said, "What made you choose Tavero?" I'm curious because we all three of these companies, Tavero and the two other ones, we look very similar in size and scope, and uh-huh. we've been there a long time. And they said it was the accessibility to you and your husband, yes. as opposed to okay, well, let me talk to this department and this department is going to escalate to management and then management might not escalate to the owner and you may or may not hear and time may pass. No, every single owner and customer that we deal with has my cell phone number. And if they're not happy with what what's happening in the office and how they're, you know, what Uh the experience is for them, then they know they can call me. And I remember a few years ago, so we were, it was a big account in Houston and we were doing the same thing, vying for their business. And they were just a charter company and uh, they, they were just going to charter. I mean, uh-huh. and they didn't own an airplane, but it was a big account. And I was competing against another big operator in Houston. And I was uh-huh. going, 
what do we do? I mean, for, so it was like a three month process. So it was wow. to going to meet with them and then they wanted to come out and see the aircraft and then they wanted to charter a flight and uh -huh. then they would decide and they would do the same thing for both companies. So at the end of the, it, when they came out, I, I had an epiphany one night and I said, you know, how do I wow these people yes. with who we are? And it came to me that who we are is the people that work for us, right? The okay. people that we work with, the people that work for us. And I said, it's the people, it's the people that work for us that need to sell this. And so I lined up four of our aircraft and I put one of the pilots in each one of them. And I said, when they come on your airplane, you tell them why it should be your airplane and why it should be Tavero. And what do you love about Tavero and why should they use Tavero? And so they did that for all four. So they went through the other company and that basically when they, regrouped at the end of three months, they said, you know, I said, you, there's great news here. You have a great decision to make. And either decision is a, is a win-win for you. So it's mm -hmm. really strong companies. We both offer safety. We both offer, you know, a great fleet of aircraft, but the difference for me, if I'm standing in your shoes is what do we look like versus what they like? They are very structured, very formal, very chain of command. And we're not. We are very all hands on deck. Let's make sure we're meeting these passengers for every flight. And I said, so one way is not better than the other way. It's just a different way. So it depends on how your company operates and what you feel most comfortable with as to who you pick. And again, it's a win-win for you. You're, there's no bad decision for you here. And they wow. called two days later and they said, you've got our business. And it was basically, and so, Fast forward, this is the reason really quickly I was going to tell you, fast forward a month and I'm at a convention and it's like nine o'clock at night and I'm like, I don't even remember where I was and my cell phone rings and I don't recognize the number, but I'm like, hello. And it's the CFO and he goes, you really do answer your phone <laughs> oh at any time God. of the day or not. I go, of course I do. This is, this is our livelihood. This is our passion. This is our business. It's not just it. a job. It is our passion. Wow. It really shows through and everything you do and everything about you. You're such an authentic, warm, genuine person, and you've always been so kind to us. Thank you. And, Likewise. And I just, um, I love partnering with really good people. I feel like there's great synergy, and we're so appreciative of everything. Well, we are too, and we love partnering with you guys, and I love shopping here. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rob, we really need to be reciprocal and talk to her about spring break. There we go. <laughs> he and I were just talking about our next trip. <laughs> Thank you so right. much. Thank, Thank you, you very Marco. much. <laughs>